Brothers, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Good morning, Vintage Church. How you doing today? Y'all doing all right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to see you. For those of you who may be visiting with us for the first time, the first time in a while, my name's Stephen, and I'm the pastor here, and we're continuing a series. Can you believe we're already in week five, where together we've been studying the Apostle Paul's uh, letter to the church at Ephesus, specifically in Ephesians chapter six, where he lays out the armor of God. In this, he gives us a framework for understanding how to win the battles uh, that we can't see. He teaches us a reality that's even more real than what our five senses tell us. And I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of these weeks, we are building week to week today. We're going to talk about the shield of faith. I believe it's going to be a powerful message that you're going to literally be able to apply. Here's the reality. Everything God wants to do in your life, everything He teaches you in these environments on Sunday, you should be able to use Monday through Saturday. And we're really going to equip you today. I'm really excited about this message. Before I jump in, I do want to draw your attention to a couple things that we have going on at the church. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's all kinds of things happening at Venice Church. And one of the roles that we have as pastors and staff is just making sure that we keep everybody up to date on the many things going on. Uh, something I'm really, really excited about. As a matter of fact, we do this every year. We prepare uh, to celebrate our year-end accomplishments, what the church has done in ministry is our members' dessert. As a matter of fact, they're going to put a slide up here. This is not going to be on the app, and here's why. It is invite only to people who are members of the church. The reason I have it up here is there's so many people that God's bringing to the church, it's sometimes difficult to keep up with all of the members. So here's what membership means at Vintage Church. It means that you serve and you give regularly. So if you do that and you want to know uh, what's coming up, we're going to do a preview to all of the plans that we have before anyone else. I'm going to invite you to come. Uh, don't worry, we're not vetting this, but we are going to ask that um, you're honest in all of that. So if for some reason you didn't get one of the invites or uh, an email, uh, if for some reason we missed you, I want to encourage you to be here. It is going to be a great night. We're going to have a great dessert. We're also going to celebrate our year in review. You know, I think a lot of times because there's so many things happening, we don't take a moment to pause and to give God thanks for what He's already done. That is a powerful thing in your own life. It's also important in church life. And so every year, we release an annual report uh, at our members' dessert. It becomes available later to the rest of the church, but we want to be able to celebrate with you. We also have some exciting things that we did not see coming that God's opened up the door on, so we're going to be sharing uh, some of that with you as well. So make sure that you're there. Another thing that I'm real excited about is Pastor Doug Kelly is coming this Tuesday night to do a prophetic night. It's going to start at 630. It's going to be in this room. I'm inviting you because I think the prophetic is so important, not because I, I'm excited about it necessarily, but because the Bible says it's essential. Now, when I say the word prophetic in a room like this, some of you are probably thinking there's one of 
two people. There's the people who are too excited. You're way too excited. And you know who you are. You're swinging from chandeliers, acting crazy. We're not going to let you do any of that. The Apostle Paul said everything's done in order, right? And then there's some of you that are just like, I don't know if God moves today. Well, you're wrong. The Bible's very clear that the gifts are still for today. Uh, As a matter of fact, they empower you as a Christian to spread the good news, and they actually help you to become a stronger disciple. You know, of all the gifts, uh, there are three classifications of gifts in Scripture that each have a specific purpose. In all three of those lists, the prophetic is listed in every single one of them. Why is that? Because it's important. It's important that we lean in to the prophetic voices in our church. As a matter of fact, we're literally sitting in a a nightclub because God spoke a prophetic word to me and Kyla through a voice in our life that when this property came available, which we had no idea it was even over here, God said, that's it, do that. And so much of what the church has been uh, doing and is continuing to do is built on this idea of the prophetic. I also think it's so cool that God would make uh, Pastor Doug available during the same time we're learning about spiritual warfare. And, you know, there's lots of things that we argue about. You know, we argue about, do, do you speak in tongues? Do you not speak in tongues? Do you like church this way? Do you like church that way? There's lots of arguments. And the Apostle Paul said, stop arguing about all of that. If you want to argue, listen, you want to focus on one thing, Focus on prophecy. That's important because it builds the entire body. I want to encourage you to be there. It's going to be a great night. We're going to have a little bit of worship. He's going to teach what the New Testament gift of the prophetic is. It's not the same as the Old Testament manifestation of that gift. He's also, at the end of that service, going to be praying with every single person that comes that would like to receive prayer. And so if you've never been a part of prophetic ministry, I want to encourage you to do that. It's going to be an exciting night. Well, if you have your Bible, and I certainly hope that you do, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Go down, scroll down, or move your finger down to verse 14. The Word of God says, as we study the fourth piece of armor, armor, it says, Stand therefore with the belt of truth around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Today, we're going to learn about what it looks like to take up your faith. This is very important because we've studied three pieces of armor, and there is a difference that Paul makes here in shifting to the shield of faith. The shield is different. Paul tells us that the shield is something we must take up, something we are required to raise to get any of its benefit. Just like strapping it to our arm won't do any good, you have to make an effort to lift it and to use it. I love this passage because it says, in every situation, take up the shield of faith. In the big and the small, as men and women of God prepared for spiritual warfare, we need to constantly be building and growing our faith in every single situation. Some characteristics of the Roman sword, of the Roman shield. I want to uh, go through this. This is important because the Apostle Paul would have been chained to a Roman soldier. All right. Um, he was given charge to this soldier. If the soldier lost him, that soldier would pay with his life. Okay. Some of you soldiers in the military, you know what I'm talking about when somebody gives you some equipment, when the army gives you equipment, what happens if you lose, misplace, or damage that equipment? You pay for it. Now imagine. It required your life. Can I just tell you, this soldier kept the Apostle Paul very close at all times, even awkward times. Come on, somebody. He was always with him. So the Apostle Paul, having a command of the Old Testament Scriptures, he begins to look upon this Roman armor and the Holy Spirit 
inspires him to give you and I a framework for how to win the spiritual battles of our life by putting on the armor of God. So each one of these are important. He goes down these in order. Some characteristics of the Roman shield is it was three and a half feet tall and almost three feet wide. This was not Captain America's shield, y'all. It was very, very large. It was very large. It had a slight curve so that it could deflect the incoming arrows, which was the most dangerous thing to the army. It was curved so that, like skipping a rock across the lake, the arrows would deflect off of the shield. It had a slight curve. It had something on the front that was called the boss. I love that. I love that word. It was the boss. It was like this giant steel knob right in the middle. And what would happen in close conflict is it would actually push the enemy back. You know why? Because the Roman army was full of a bunch of bosses. Come on. Come on. And that's what would happen. And so it was very powerful when it was used even up close. It was also made of six layers for strength. This created a barrier that was far ahead of any any warfare instruments of its day. It was revolutionary. And this is fascinating because it teaches us that it was not only a line of defense against arrows, but it was also, this is important, most effective when joined with others. Now, when we talk about faith, we're going to get real specific on the types of faith. We're going to get real specific on how you grow in your faith. But there are two aspects to faith that is very clear in the Roman shield. Not only did the shield of faith protect the individual soldier, but when those shields were linked with others, okay, they actually provided a defense that protected the entire army. That shows us that our faith is twofold. Not only do we have our own faith, you are going to have to have your own faith. Not your grandma's faith, not your Christian friend's faith that maybe brought you to church today. We're going to give you a chance if you don't have your own faith to get some of that by the end of service. But your own faith. Our church is only as strong as the weakest member in our church. However, your church, although private, or I'm sorry, although personal, is not meant to be private. It also is meant to be joined with others. That's this idea of personal faith and shared faith. Both of those are needed to be able to be successful. You know, when you read the Bible, you cannot flip more than, more than two or three pages without seeing the impact and the importance, the emphasis on faith. For example... It was faith that kept Abraham on the road to his destiny, even though it looked like he would never have a son. It was faith that kept Noah building the ark before it had ever rained on earth. He built the ark for a hundred years with no clouds in the sky. It was faith, a word from God. It was faith that kept Joseph pure, righteous, and ready for the revelation and the promotion in the land of Egypt. It was faith that kept the Apostle Paul on the road, planting churches, spreading the gospel, writing the letters that you and I enjoy today. It was the same faith. So what I want to do for the next few moments is I want to give you some fundamentals of faith. At the end of the day, this is something that each individual has to take up. Your ability to take up your faith not only strengthens you, but also gives strength to the people with you. Men, this speaks to your family. Did you know you hold the faith of your family? You pick up your shield of faith and it covers your family. That's important. It's the same idea in the church as we move forward, taking ground for the kingdom. Our faith has a multiplied effect on all of the people in our life. So what do you need to know about faith? I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about it for about the next 15 minutes. First, you need to realize that faith, simply put, is believing. Write that down. 
Faith is believing. You and I exercise natural faith all the time. We trust or we believe. For example, you trusted before you sat in that chair that it would be able to handle your weight. You trusted that. Have you ever sat in a chair that wasn't? Of course you did. And for those of you that are are bigger boned, okay, you pay extra close attention to the stability of said chair, right? Because you want to make sure it can handle your weight. You're putting faith in that chair. Every time you get an airplane, you have faith that lift is going to overcome gravity. You have faith. It's incredible faith. Every time you get on a roadway in Texas, you demonstrate almost supernatural faith. I mean, you get in the left lane, it doesn't matter if you're going 85, 90 miles an hour, there's some redneck with a big truck and tires on your bumper. Come on. It's really annoying. Y'all need to stop that. I love brake checking those people. I do. I'll do it too. We exercise faith all the time. You are made for faith. It's what makes you different than the animals. It's what makes you different in God's creation. He created you to be faith beings. We exercise faith all the time. This is important. John 4, 24, with this idea of faith, God is spirit and those who worship him must, everyone say must, must worship him in spirit and in truth. I love this passage because it teaches a couple sides of faith that I want to talk about for just a moment. God is spirit. Here's what that means. You will never become all that God's created you to be. You will never be able to hear him, walk with him, know him and his will for you unless you learn to engage him spiritually. Sure, you can see him in the things he made, but he wants a personal relationship with you. When you give your life to Christ, you become born again. Your spirit, which was dead, the part that couldn't connect with God can now connect with God. You've got to learn to grow that. This is important though. Worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible says in the book of John early on, And the first, uh, I believe it's in the first chapter, it says Jesus is the word. He came full of grace or spirit and truth. Those are two sides of the same coin. Important. Faith and reason go together. God gave you a thinking brain for a reason. You need to learn to use it. Faith humbles reason. Reason grounds faith. Write that down. There are people that will try to tell you, you, you just need one. Here's what happens if you just have faith. You start operating blindly. God never calls you to step in blind faith. That is not a biblical idea. Just step out in faith blindly. No, he doesn't. He gives you a step that is clearly defined. You can see it. And he says it takes faith for you to trust him to take that step. He also never calls you to take leaps of faith. That's foolish. You're not Superman. You don't, you can't leap vast arrays in one bound. My pastor told me earlier, earlier in our, in our church's history, he said, listen, Stephen, you can do everything that God's put on your heart. You just can't do it all at the same time. One thing at a time. Why? Because our faith is grown over time, right? Faith, reason grounds faith, keeps you from killing yourself in the name of faith. That's not faith. That's stupidity. Okay. Now faith also humbles reason. There are a lot of people who will lift their intellect. This is how the university has become the stupidest place on planet earth. Because they've completely ungrounded themselves from faith. They're not humble. I took a class um, called um, astronomy uh, as an undergraduate. And I remember being in this class, and it's a very frustrating class. Mostly because they're just guessing. They're guessing it, and they're calling it science. By the way, that's called the science. That's not actually science. That's a cult. And I'm listening to them projecting out billions and millions of years. And I'm sitting here, how could you possibly know that? You know, the further you get away from something, the more unpredictable it is, the more you don't know about it. The things closest, you know why. That's why the Bible says deal with yourself first because you know yourself. 
You may not know the person over there, but you definitely are close to yourself. Come on. But the further you get out, the more you can't predict. For those of you who may care, this is why you should set 12-week goals. You can usually control and know what's coming in 12 weeks. You set annual goals, most of those probably won't come true. I'm just saying, 12 weeks at a time, that's just how it works. And, you know, I was taking this class, and, and I just was getting frustrated. So I thought I'd be passive-aggressive. Come on, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. And, and guys, if you want to live, do not use your elbows. But I decided I'd be passive. And so every time I would turn in a paper the entire semester, I would put astrology instead of astronomy. If you guys don't know what astrology is, it's like the mystical weird beast and whatever. If you think it's real, it's not it's witchcraft. But anyways, and I would just do that. to t- and, you, and, and you know, she'd be a little curt, but by the time I got to my final, I was returning my final paper and she said, uh, Mr. Martin, if you put astrology on your header again, I will fail you in this class. To which case I was like, it's astronomy it is, ma'am. Thank you. I do not want to do it again. But my point is, this idea of reason separated from faith is, is prideful. It's arrogant. This is why God says he's drawn to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. He rejects the proud. This is how people with all of the, the initials after their name can be some of the stupidest people with the dumbest ideas ever. I mean, really, men can be women. Really? Really? Men can give birth? Don't get hushed. That's ridiculous. You should be laughing right now. Shame on the church for not letting you have permission to do that. This is a safe place. Actually safe. We're going to make you strong, not keep you weak. It's crazy. You look at what's going on around. What is that? That's faith. uh, That's reason unhinged from the humility that faith brings. Faith is so important. Faith pleases God. Hebrews 11.6 says, now without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's a pretty big statement. Why? Because the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists. In other words, that there is a God in heaven and you are not him. That's the first requirement. Notice the humility there. This is why there's lots of pride for people that will be in hell. Hell will be a place populated with pride because they couldn't possibly humble themselves long enough to receive the grace and mercy of Jesus. Did you know nobody will be in hell that doesn't want to be there? They will be so arrogant and so cursed. And just look at the world. You can see these people. You can see these people. You think to yourself, they'll never, they'll never, they'll never accept God. And God's going to give them exactly what they want, which is a life completely separated from him. Think about that for a moment. They must believe that he is God and they are not. And, and this is important, it's unique to Christianity, and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Not only that he's God, but that if you do what he says, you'll be blessed for it. That if you do what he says, it'll work. You have to not only believe that he's God, but that he's a good God. You know, I, I, I deal with a lot of people as a pastor that really, really struggle with doubt. Do you know as a Christian, it's okay to struggle with doubt? It's okay. You're, you're probably pretty foolish if you never doubt anything. You're probably pretty arrogant if you never doubt yourself. There are times where doubt is okay, even with God. One of the names for God was the name that God gave the, the nation of Israel right after Jacob wrestled with God. There's this crazy thing where Jacob wrestles with God, right? And, and God dislocates his hip and changes his name from Jacob to Israel, which means to wrestle with God. Here's the key, though. God didn't leave that interaction, that wrestling match. It didn't change God. It changed Jacob. Many times we want to wrestle God as if we're going to change God. You know you're not going to change God. God's never going to revolve around your universe or your world. The quicker you can get under, right, 
his word, that's what it means to diligently seek him, the more you can realize his blessings in your life. This is different for a lot of people because a lot of times we're praying, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. It seems really mystical. But when you look closely, you realize what the times that he came through for you, you were under his word. The time that he showed up was actually you were doing what he was calling you to do. The times he didn't, you probably weren't. That's a passage. That it, and here's the thing with, with doubt. If you don't deal with doubt with the Bible, this is why the belt of truth is the first. It's why it's also called the girdle. It holds everything in place. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. That's why. Because if you don't allow God's word to change you, right, you're going to be deceived. And what's going to happen is that doubt's going to become disbelief. The Bible says Jesus, the son of God, could do no great thing in his hometown because of their disbelief. Many of us, we might have the fire insurance, but because we've not dealt with the doubt that's turned into disbelief, we end up having a hell on earth. And this is why he gives us his word. Next, faith is tangible. It's not a spooky spirit. It's tangible. There's substance to it, Hebrews 11 says. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is substance. It isn't blind. We have his word. He doesn't give us leaps. He gives us steps. We take a step. It's sure footing. We take another step, another step. That's how we grow. We look back, back and we see his past faithfulness and it encourages us, gives us faith to move forward. Romans 1.20, for his invisible, invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. Faith is tangible. It's reason and faith. Those are two sides of that coin. Next, faith is built. I love this. There are seven layers to faith. Faith is built over time. The more you use it, the more you walk in it, the bigger it gets, the more confident you are. You see somebody who loves God, they walk with God. It seems like the heavens are open to them. It's not because they're privileged. It's because they built their faith. And many times faith is built where nobody else can see its building. That's the intangible. It's tangible. It's substance. It's evidence. It's there. But you have to lean into it. You have to put on your spiritual glasses to see how it's made. A lot of people, I, I do this all the time, man. I see, I'm around people that, man, it's just like, yeah, God gives you a gift. And you have to, but you have to develop that gift. And you get around people who have faith, man. They're strong when everyone else is weak. It's tempting to go, oh yeah, that's just their personality. God just made them that way. That's not how it works. The Bible says God's no respecter of persons. You get out of what you put into. That's how it works. Look around the world. That's how the entire world works. Faith is built. The Roman shield would have had layers and layers and layers. Every layer they added made that individual shield stronger. It blessed that person and it blessed everyone else. There are two kinds of faith. It starts with saving faith. This is the first faith. God saves you through grace. Ephesians 2.8 For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is God's gift. Everyone say gift. This is the humbling place of faith. Faith comes from God to you first. You didn't do enough to receive it. You give your life to Christ. You take that initial step of faith. God begins right to build your faith as you take steps. Romans 12.3, for by grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly. There's the idea, reason, objective truth. Look around. Jesus would call this fruit constantly in his parables. 
Look for the fruit. Fruit is not made in a microwave. Have you ever tried that? I want an orange. Let me pull out the orange packet. You know, a real fruit's actually a lot better than a fruit drink. Did you know that? Many times we settle for the fake, the simulation, when God wants to give us the real thing. Every one of us are given a measure of faith when we get saved. It's what we do from there that determines whether or not that saving faith turns into the second kind of faith, which is overcoming faith. Overcoming faith. Look what Romans 12.21 says. Do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. With good. That's what faith looks like. How do we overcome evil? 1 John 5.4 Because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world. What is it? Our faith. Faith is incredibly important to you overcoming. I would venture to say that if you're struggling repeatedly in a certain area of your life, you probably haven't built faith in that particular area. Lean in. What does it look like to build faith? Man, again, I'm just so glad that you asked. We love this passage, Romans 8, 28. Don't we love this? We know that in all things, they all work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. We always say, you know, God has a plan. God has a plan. How many of you have said that? God has a plan. You're not living under God's plan unless you're called to His purpose. You know God has a plan, but the devil has a plan for you too. You see, we love to claim this over our life. God's going to work it out. God, we say it to people, you know, when they're suffering. By the way, they don't need you to say that. You could just say, man, this really sucks. I'm just going to stand with you. That would be good. Took my wife 20 years to teach me that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we know that in all things, things work together for the good of those who love God. So here's the question. Do you love God? And are you called according to his purpose? That's a requirement. Faith is heard. Faith is heard. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes from the message about Christ. This is why church is so important. This is why learning to speak scripture over your life is so important. There's something powerful. What happens in church this is why I don't believe church can ever, no, I don't believe, the Bible says it, church can never be online. Here's why, because there's some things you can only get in person. Show me a parent that can raise a child digitally, and I'll show you a baby Christian who can become a mature follower of Christ digitally. doesn't work. You know why? Because you may not know it, but the faith of other people in this room right now is affecting you. Their shield is offering you strength. You're also hearing God's word all together in unity. And what's happening is, whether you realize it or not, God's building your faith. He's also preparing things in your life. That he's preparing things in your heart that you're going to need later in your life. Sometimes we go to church and we're like, man, I've, nothing really spoke to me today. By the way, that is probably a you problem. There's always something that you can learn. But sometimes you hear something, oh, man, that's really good. I don't really have a practical application for that. But then... All hell breaks loose and that some area of your life, something happens in your life and what happens? The Holy Spirit brings back to remembrance that. This is why the Bible calls the word a seed that's planted into your heart. Many of us, we're not reaping the harvest of our faith because we're not planting the seeds. And I don't know if you've ever heard me say this, but you never rise to the occasion. You always fall to the level of your preparation. You don't need something new. God will never give you something new before you've done the last thing he's told you to do. Never. Sometimes the desire for something new is the desire to bury something that you need to deal with. I don't know, maybe for somebody. Not you, but for somebody. Next, faith is received. In the Hebrew, the word for listen, there is no word for obey in Hebrew. The word for listen is the word for obey. They're the same word, which means that if I've really heard something or I've listened to it, 
right? What will I do? I'll obey it. Meaning that I know as a pastor, I know as a Christian in my own life, with my own kids, I know that they really got it when they do it. I know they got it when they do it. Parents, do they got it before they do it? I hear you, but you're not doing anything. This is why James says, and he's really frustrated with the Greeks, you can tell. He's real frustrated with the Romans. He's real frustrated. Do not just be hearers of the word instead of doers. Because that's like a person who goes in the mirror and they realize they're not in the right shape. Their fly's unzipped. They're sloppy. You know, they don't look good. Right? And in that moment, while they're looking at it, they could change it. But instead, they leave, and because they don't deal with it, they forgot what they look like. Anyways, it's quiet in here. I feel kind of mean. Again, James 4, 6, speaking of James, the half-brother of Jesus, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. As we close, there's a seventh fundamental of faith that kind of closes it all out. It's like the multiplier. Anytime you see seven, it's a number of completion. Eight is a number of new beginnings, because why? It's the first day. It's the first day in the next seven-day cycle. Next, we see that faith is multiplied. I'm going to close by reading from Acts chapter 2, 42. This is the very first church. Anytime you see something for the first time, God teaches us about it for all time. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many signs and wonders were performed through the apostles. Now all, I would say all, now all the believers were together and held all things in common. Many of us, we want miraculous things in our life. We want God to do incredible things in our businesses, in our marriages, in our kids, right? in our resources, even in our churches. Okay, but what's the requirement? They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. They were committed. Why do we keep pushing? Hey, you know, be at church. Be around God's people. It's not because we don't have stuff to do. There's all kinds of things to do. It's not because, right? It's because we need to grow up together. Devotion comes in person. What happened? They held all things in common because they were together. As we close, this is very important. Your faith is personal, but it isn't private. I should have think about that this week. Your faith is personal, but it isn't private. Thank you. Your faith is personal, but it isn't private. This is the deception of the Western church. They invert this. Faith is something you do on Sundays. Faith is something that's not connected to everything else. Faith is something between you and God. You know, a lie can be a half-truth too. Half-truth is still a lie. That's why when you raise your hand and put your hand on the Bible, tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you, God. Why do they say that? Because God will know if you're lying, buddy. We have a temptation to, 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 to make big personal faith and to neglect the fact that everything we do here is meant to be a blessing there. And many of us, we, we, we inoculate ourselves to some of the word an hour a Sunday, right? From all of what God wants to do every single day of the week. 
people ask me questions, crazy questions we're asking. We're never asked in future gener- past generations. Does God care how you vote? You better believe he cares how you vote. He cares about everything you do. The Bible says he, he knows the number of hairs on your head and the ones that aren't there and why they aren't there. The Bible says nothing will be forgotten. Nothing you do in Christ, nothing you do in Christ will be forgotten, even giving a cup to a kid. This is a fake, woke lie we believe. Believers have always led. They've always been the conscience. There's no such thing as a Christian nation. That's garbage. But a nation of Christians is a blessing to that nation. Your faith is personal, but it's not private. I want to encourage you to think about that wherever you are. It's different for every one of you. I have a different mouthpiece, a different calling. Where are you at in your family, with your kids, in your workplace? You got to pray and wrestle with that on your own. I believe that's what the word of God says when the apostle Paul says, you have to, right where you are, individually lift up your faith. What does it look like? I'm going to close Ephesians 6, 16. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for the power of your word. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our life and in our church. I thank you, Father. I thank you for the Apostle Paul. I thank you, Lord, that while he was in a really, really bad spot, he didn't forget his high call of God in Christ. But Father, while he's sitting there chained to that Roman, your Holy Spirit began to speak to him so that we could be blessed today. I pray, God, we would heed his advice. It's just as true today as it was 2,100 years ago. We need it just as much today, if not more, than he needed it then. And I thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit never calls us into a place where you don't show us what to do. I pray, God, that each one of us, wherever we are, would take seriously his instruction to lift our faith, to lift our faith in every single way, to grow our faith alongside other believers, to take seriously our time with you every day. We know, Father, that you reward those who diligently seek you. Reward us, Lord, for doing the right thing your way. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I pray right now, Father, for anybody in here that doesn't know you, I pray that they would not leave this place the same way that they came. Maybe you're in here and you're far from God. We're almost finished. Maybe you're in here as I'm talking about faith. You don't even have saving faith. You can never have overcoming faith in God without saving. You were created by him. You can never be all that you were called to be without him. And you can never know him, the Bible says, without accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're not good enough, righteous enough to come to him alone. Jesus had to die on a cross for your sin, for your wickedness, so that you could now boldly approach the throne of grace. His heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. Maybe you're in here today and you're far from God. I don't have to embarrass you. I don't have to single you out. You know if you're far from God. Maybe at one point you followed him, but today you're not. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ, but there's been a humbling that's happened here. As I've opened up God's word, it's humbled your heart. That's what the word says, its purpose is. My advice to you is to act on it, to surrender your life to Christ. In a moment, I'm gonna pray for all those who are far from God who don't wanna be. If you're in here today, and you say, pastor, that's me, pray for me. Would you just, if you'd want my prayer, would you just lift your hand up halfway? Is anybody here like that? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Put it, put it back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. In a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. There's no power in the prayer. There's power in the surrender. These words are biblical. They're from Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. God's a perfect gentleman. He's not going to bully his way into your life. You have to give him permission. 
He respects and loves you. He's not a tyrant or an authoritarian. He wants a relationship with you, but you have to make the choice. In a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a biblical prayer. Giving your life to Christ, accepting what he did for you on the cross, believing that what the Bible says about him is true, believing that he rose from the dead. It's from that place of saving faith that God can begin to build overcoming faith. In a moment, I'm going to pray for you. When I, when I pray, I want you to repeat these words after me. I want you to say them just loud enough where you can hear your own voice. As a matter of fact, the faith of all the believers surrounding you, we're going to join with yours. We're all going to pray this prayer so as to encourage yours. Mean it with all of your heart. I believe God's going to meet you right where you are right now. You will not leave this place the same way that you came in. We're also going to give you next steps that faith has to grow and develop. My advice to you is take the steps that we give you and develop your shield of faith, your overcoming faith. Church, we believe in what they're doing. Let's pray this prayer all together. Let's pray, Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for living a perfect life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I believe that you are good, and I believe you're God. I believe on the third day, after you were killed on the cross, I believe you resurrected from the dead. I believe you conquered death once and for all to give me life once and for all. And so today, of my own free will, I choose to make you my Lord, my Savior, and my King. Lead me and guide me. Show me what's next. It's in your name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's put our hands together for everybody who did that.